I don't want the most money out of them. I want as little money as possible so that the ROI is much bigger. Like that matters to me because let's use our pricing to build a career versus just like, let's try and make some quick cash. Hey, Feasters, welcome to episode one of season six of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. This season is going to be all about pricing. For me, pricing is fun. So I asked some of the smartest people I know to come on and share their strategies, tips, stories, and experiences on the topic of pricing. Today's co-host is Brendan Hufford. I know Brendan through a mutual friend of ours and a friend of the show, Kim Doyle. Kim had Brendan on her show talking all about SEO. Brendan has built several businesses over the years, was a teacher and an assistant principal, and now is SEO director at Click Studios in Chicago. He also has his own clients where he provides SEO services and has a program called SEO for the Rest of Us and a stellar YouTube channel. Definitely go check that out. I am a founding student member of SEO for the Rest of Us. It's an amazing course. If SEO has always boggled your mind like it does for me, check that out. SEO, like I said, has been a black box for me and maybe it is for you. The reason why I wanted to have Brendan on the very first episode of the season is that if you are like most people I talk with, you're providing services and want to get away from hourly billing, but you have a hard time doing so because you can't directly correlate your price to the client's bottom line. Brendan lays all of this out for you. In this episode, we dive into what services to provide that you can make the most impact for your client's business the type of mindset you as a business owner must be in when it comes down to working out your pricing, how to surround yourself with genuine colleagues who will hold you accountable and be real with you, why value-based pricing may not be for you as well. It's not for everyone. And then he shares a story of a high-value client turned nightmare that resulted in him giving money back and some great questions to ask upfront in the future. So, Without further ado, Brendan and myself on the premiere episode of season six of Live in the Feast. Hey, Feasters, welcome to an episode of Live in the Feast with Brendan Hufford. Welcome, Brendan. Thanks for having me, man. I'm psyched. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm super excited for you to be here, especially on this first episode of season six, which is all about pricing. You expressed through email a story that you wanted to share, come on and share. And so I thought that this would be the perfect way to kick off this season. Uh, you know, pricing is difficult. It's hard. It obviously involves money and that's why we're in business, but we're in business to also help people and improve our own lives. And uh, I'm really excited excited to dig into the story a little bit more. But um, before we do that, I always like to ask, what is your defining moment in life so far? Such a good question. So I think there's a couple. 
Uh, I think when it comes to changing the trajectory of my life, uh, it was really very much uh, the birth of my first son. I have three kids. And the birth of my first son all of a sudden changed a lot of things. The best way I can explain it is it was genuinely like I was living with my heart outside of my body. Mm. Uh, He was born with a pneumothorax, which means he had a little tear in his lung. And we spent the first couple of days of his life in the NICU at the University of Chicago. So while he was fine, uh, it was scary, but he was fine. We were surrounded by dozens of other babies and families who had like very serious life-threatening conditions. And all of a sudden I was given a very strong sense of gratitude and reality check. But also just deciding that I didn't want to continue living life, you know, my life on the terms that I had been living it, doing what everybody else thought I should do, being a teacher, becoming an assistant principal. It was time to like be very serious about what I wanted out of my life and what I wanted for my family. Now, he just turned six. For, for those of us keeping track, he turned six uh, a couple weeks ago, which means mm. that was about six years ago. So it's taken a while to get there, to get where I am today. Uh, from being a teacher with a weird little side hustle to where I am now, which is quite different. It definitely has taken some time. And I guess the other part of that was, you know, really when I, about two years ago, almost to the day uh, that we're chatting, that I left teaching. Hmm. And I left on a Friday uh, and I joined uh, Click Studios here in Chicago as the SEO director on a Monday. And they were like, don't you want to take some time off for summer break? And I was like, no, man, I'm ready to go. I've been waiting 10 years to do this. Let's go. Um, so after 10 years of teaching, I did that. And those are pretty big moments. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that your son's okay and doing well. And I'm sure he's running around playing in dirt and chasing bugs and tormenting the other kids in your family too. So um, hey, we'll be blessed. We'll, uh, we'll give kudos to your audio skills uh, if we can't hear him yelling in the background right now. So. <laughs> That's all right. I got my uh, two and a half year old in the other room too. So we might have a, a chorus of, <laughs> of kids going sure. on in any sure. minute. But uh, awesome. Awesome. So let's just dive right into it, right? Uh, tell us a little bit about the story that you wanted to share and, and uh, a little bit backstory as well. Yeah. So I guess like the simple backstory, like I kind of alluded to was I went to school to be a teacher uh, because for some reason we think it's a good idea to let 18 year olds decide what they want to do with the rest of their lives and take on a bunch of debt for college and just make bad decisions with majors. Like why do, why are people allowed to be like fine arts majors anymore? That's terrible. That's what a terrible idea. Uh, I'm sure that's a weird hot take, but, uh, you know, I'm sure they add value. But my point is that like, I went to school for something that I didn't really know that I wanted to do. And a couple of years into teaching, I was kind of disenfranchised. I started some websites, some blogs. Eventually people sent me free stuff so I could write about it on my blogs. I was like, all right, that's a thing. This is before like Instagram, before influencer marketing was even a phrase. They would just send me stuff. And I was like, what if I'm, I made a blog where people would just send me stuff and I'll review it. And then people will, you know, click affiliate links or whatever. Built that, built that, eventually started my own Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu company based on those like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu review blogs. And, you know, that was going really, really well until I was in my second year of being an assistant principal. My career was a mess. I hated my job. Uh, My son, my oldest son was one year old. My business was not in shambles, was just really hard to run. I was running an e-commerce business and fulfilling everything myself, doing literally the whole business myself because we didn't have the capital to hire anybody or outsource anything or drop ship anything. Uh, No fulfillment. And like 
you know, I was just kind of looked in the mirror. I developed a really bad relationship with alcohol. I developed, you know, gained 25 pounds. I locked myself in my office at work all day and didn't want to deal with my life. And it was just like, you know, I didn't know what to do. So I did a couple smart things. One of my buddies, Jason Zook recommended I take a step back. Uh, so I did, I, instead of trying to keep pushing with my career and my business, I took a step back in my career, became a teacher again at a new school that was healthier. Uh, and then just sold my jujitsu company and then started taking on SEO clients. Cause it was something that I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was something some of my friend, like very close friends had expressed like, Oh, Hey, you know how to do this. Can you help me? Uh, put together a couple of case studies, did some good work, um, put the results out into the world and started taking on clients. And then within a few, a little bit, I, I had the opportunity to apply at a couple places. And uh, like I said, I became the SEO director at Click Studios. And I have now live a life where I'm pretty much focused on SEO all day, every day, but also super obsessed with everything else you do, whether you're a consultant or freelancer, or however you define it. You know, I call him a consultant, but it's pretty much the same thing. If we're honest, we're, we're, we're all also business coaches and whatever, you know, we help our clients with all sorts of stuff. So yeah, I mean, that's been the journey to today and I, I really couldn't be happier. It's definitely been an interesting path. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, full disclosure. I mean, I know Brendan from uh, SEO for the rest of us and I've followed your blog. Um, <clears throat> for me, SEO has always sort of been this, had this mystique to it. Right. And like, I've never, as a developer, I understand the technical like switches to pull, right? Like I understand that aspect of it, but the human aspect of it, the algorithm changes and why things happen in the way that they happen when you throw up a piece of content for me has always been like, uh, sure. Right. Like I get it. I guess I get it. Right. Like I don't, I don't know what's going to work and what's not, you know, what's working and what doesn't work. And so a lot of people that I've talked to, at least in my you know circles and, and some audience members and some people that are, I help coach and, and clients of mine, SEO always seems to be like this holy grail that, you know, hey, we could rank number one or on page one of Google. And like, I I don't know how this is going to work, but I read this article and they say, if you do these 17 different things, you're going to rank one. Right. I've read those articles, those kind of things. But for me, how you explain it, how you, you know, I mean, on your YouTube channel, the 100 days of SEO, that first of all, kudos to producing that much content in such a short period of time. Like, I don't know, I'd forget it. But uh, how you sum it up and how you wrap it up, like the framework that you use and really just like, it makes sense to me. Like I've, you know, I've, I've taken some of these other SEO courses out there and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, a, I mean, it is a full-time job and I don't have the time for that. So I'm just going to throw the content up there do what I can while I'm editing. And if it happens, it happens. But how you teach it and how you talk about it for me, you know, just from my personal opinion is probably the best that's out there. And I've done a lot of it. And so I wanted to express that to you. And uh, thank you for sharing that. And if those in the audience haven't seen his video series, go check it out, 100 Days of SEO. Get on his newsletter. If you love animated GIFs, he's your man. <laughs> or For GIFs. Sure. I, over, I over-index on those. I, will, I, I can guarantee uh, you might learn something about SEO, but I guarantee I can make you do that internet laugh where you don't really laugh. You just kind of like breathe out of your nose a little bit. 
I guarantee I can get one of those out of you every week. Absolutely. Absolutely. For so sure. that's awesome. I just think that honestly, the, the, the way most people teach SEO, there's this beautiful meme uh, of an owl. Like it says how to draw an owl and you start with two circles. It's like step one, draw the two circles. Step two, finish the owl. And it's like, <laughs> that's what, that's what most SEO advice is. It's like, Hey, here's, a hundred there's 200 ranking factors and like most ways people teach seo is like hey here's a bunch of different ingredients draw the rest of the owl like they don't give you any sort of context or any sort of framework it would just be like if you gave a developer like hey here's how to do 20 different things build a website Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't, what do you mean? I don't know how to make all these go together and make them talk to each other. And how, where do I put this? Does this go before that? You know, you can't just like spot check SEO and be like, well, I'm going to only learn like it's, it's a holistic kind of thing. And in really what it comes down to, like you mentioned the framework and the teaching, it just is like, I always think whenever I'm trying to create something uh, that I actually want people to implement and learn from, it's like, begin with the end in mind. I want to leverage the 10 years I have of being a teacher of like, what do I want their outcome to be at the end of this? And then like, how do I actually get them to do something with this? So it's like my two latest videos that I put out, I'm like, comment below. I'm going to walk you through this. Like the first 10 people who comment with their URL, you can go to my YouTube channel right now and check it out. If you type in Brendan Hufford uh, into YouTube, it'll come up. And you can even misspell that. You don't have to get the spelling right. I'll pretend that it's because I'm good at SEO. I'll it's link not. it up in the show notes. They can click on the Perfect. link. <laughs> I'm always, that's my number one thing. People are like, are you good at SEO? I'm like, oh yeah, Google my name. You can even spell it wrong. I'll still come up and I'll pretend like that is because I'm good at SEO. It's just because I have a really unique name. But like my point is that I, I really want people to implement it. So in my latest videos, I've said like comment with your URL below so people not only can get the video, but then they'll jump down to the comments. And even if they're not one of the first 10 to comment, they'll see me walk through it with other people in the comments. They'll be like, oh, that's how I apply this. That's all right. These are the, like you mentioned, the levers to pull and the thing to do here. That's how, the, oh, their website's like mine. Maybe I can do that too. It gives them more context. And I'm always thinking about that from an educator standpoint, not just a like, how do I put out a piece of content and get the links? Like I can do that. I'm good at that. I do it for clients and stuff like that. But for my own stuff, it's, it's a lot about like, I want to give so much value. And by value, I mean, I want you to get results from what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the big things that I feel, so I, I'm a developer. I work specifically in the e-commerce space and people always say, well, that's great. You can price your value. You can price your services on essentially against the bottom line of what you do, right? If somebody sells a hundred bucks and you charge 10, obviously that's easy math, right? So how do you start to think about pricing services where you can't necessarily guarantee the results, right? Because you're at the mercy of Google or Bing or, or whatever search engine, right? How, how do you come up with the price for that? Yeah. So I think a couple of things. So number one, I think there's a big red flag for me around like value-based pricing of, all right, I know that I can get them like this and I know it'll do that. And I know we can increase revenue this much. So I'll, I'll price based on the value I'm providing their business. The problem is that then that encourages people sometimes to take on work that they're not equipped for. Like they're not ready to certain. This happens a lot with SEO and that's what I can speak to specifically. People end up taking on way bigger clients they just can't move the needle. It's cool if you want to bill them 10 grand a month, but like you're not going to move the needle and you're going to get freaking sued. Like this is bad when you tank their website or when you get them no noticeable improvement 
and then you try to like it'll be like well in the contract I, I can't guarantee results it's like that's a, that's a great that's a career ender right the thing you have to consider with clients especially when it comes to pricing is not like how much money can i make today off of this client especially if you're early don't look at it as like i want to make i want to get the most money out of this client it's what if i make this client super happy what if i give them a 10x return like 10x roi on what they pay me right? So if they, um, I might be doing my math wrong because I'm not a math doctor, but if they paid me $500 a month, like how do I make them five grand a month mm-hmm. so that they'll get me 10 more clients by word of mouth for free. That's always how I think about pricing is like, how do I price it so that I can get the work done, have enough margin for me, but also bring it back I don't want the most money out of them. I want as little money as possible so that the ROI is much bigger. Like that matters to me because that's what we, when we look at like, let's use our pricing to build a career versus just like, let's try and make some quick cash. Hmm. It's a very different like way of thinking. And I think when you get into value-based pricing, you're trying to go through all of the, there's a lot of different methods for extracting like what the value would be. Um, but to your point, like when it comes to e-com and stuff, like I love working with those kind of clients like having raw with my e-commerce brand myself, like that's great to be able to see like, especially for me, a marketer to be able to look in Google analytics and say from SEO, from organic search traffic, here's how much you made year over year compared to before. And it's like up 50%, it's up 400%, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I did that. I contributed to that. That's really valuable. But I think, I mean, to be honest, I started with pricing the way most people did. I would guess where I made up a number And then I just slowly increased it as much as I was comfortable. And it is the most amateur way. But I think like everybody is nodding along with this of like, oh, that's what I did too. Like you just keep increasing it until somebody's like, no. And then you're like, well, I guess that's as much as I can charge forever. And it's like, that is the most ridiculous way to price your services. Um, So I think the thing is like, rather than just making it up and rather or versus like having this weird, like value-based pricing, which works for a lot of people. I don't want to discredit value-based pricing. I just think you have to be careful with it. I think there's a happy medium in the middle of like, what is, what is my time worth to me? And then what can I, do I actually have the skill set to have, uh, I'll keep using this analogy, the levers to pull that allow me to scale my time a lot better. Like we can all continue charging hourly forever. And like everybody like, Hey, I need to make more money. Everybody's first answer, raise your prices. You should raise your prices. That's a, I mean, it's probably right. It's probably the right advice, but it's also just like, there's so much nuance around raise your prices. You also have to level up your skills quite a bit and start figuring out, all right, what are the things? So for me in SEO, what is the thing I can do that takes 10 minutes and gives them the biggest results? And then I'm going to figure out more of those versus just like, I want more clients or I want to raise my prices. Something I've been really interested in recently is, uh, I don't know if you've seen like the uh, featured snippets Mm -hmm. in search Um, the little boxes for everybody kind of listening. Those are those boxes, little like kind of seeming like answer boxes that pop up as like a first result. I've been looking into a lot about like how to steal those and how to rank for those. There's no like clear way. I think I've figured out a way. I've talked to some really smart people, the head of SEO at HubSpot and a bunch of other super smart people uh, in this community. I'm a part of called Traffic Think Tank. And we've all kind of talked and we think we figured out a way to rank for those. That's both helpful for ranking, but also helpful when people get on the page for content. But that's something that doesn't take a ton of time hmm. and gets people a huge win across the board when we can implement it. So that's like one of those levers that like, you know, do I want to bill hourly and you paid me for 10 minutes of my time? Or do I want to bill 
based on value where you're not paying me to pull levers, you're paying me to pull the right ones. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's important. That's important that you said that because it is a matter of making the biggest impact that you can for your clients. But like you said, pull the right lever that's going to give them the most impact, but it's not going to bog you down month after month after month. Right. Because a lot of time, and I do have retainer clients, but I also have one-off clients as well. And a lot of times the retainer clients, the first month or two is a lot of low hanging fruit that I can make impactful changes. But I also do that one-off too, because I can make those things, optimizing checkout pages, optimizing product pages, uh, it, doing simple you know, card abandonment that people don't even have, right? Like, And so all of these kind of quick wins uh, are huge, huge, big game changers. And it didn't take a lot of time, didn't take a lot of time on the client's end. They got the deliverable quicker and you could keep churning that. You could turn that around. Like you said, get referrals from other people, from you know, from those clients. I think it's super smart to look at it in that way. And that's, I talk a lot about recurring revenue but it's really predictable revenue. I always like to say predictable because that's predictable. I could do those sort of things time and time again because a lot of people need that stuff. So how do you go about finding those kind of impactful things? Is it just working with clients and hearing what they say? Or is it more like you said, like, hey, these featured snippets are kind of interesting to me and there's nothing out there about that but these things are some somewhat important. Is it more, or is it a blend of the two? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So the way I find, not what they are, but the way I find them on client sites is that I st always start out with a paid audit. Um, in the past, I always did audits for free as like a, as like a sales call where I would do an SEO audit, hope they would be so impressed that when I pitched them on working together in the future, they would be like, yes. And that worked for a little bit. Um, when I went to Click, we used to do that for every web design client we had. Um, we would just do an SEO audit and hop on a call and see if they wanted SEO services. And after doing 10 or 15 of those and it not panning out, I was like, we're going to stop this. And we're going to do these maybe internally if we need to, if it's a client that has a good organic traffic or we see opportunity or whatever. But we're not going to just do these for free anymore because there's so much value in it. But when somebody hops on a call, like... People just didn't want to be on the call. They don't care. They don't really understand it. Those aren't good leads for us. And they're also, we're not helping them any because they're not going to implement any of the stuff we said. Hmm. Um, we're also building them a new website, but they're not paying for, uh, they're paying for the design, not for me to do all of the, you know what I mean? To help right. them rank right. better. That's very different. I'll oversee things. I'll make sure it does well. Uh, and it's, you know, really genuinely optimized, but yeah. So I, I always start out with a paid audit. It's something I learned the idea just from listening to people like Paul Jarvis and Brendan Dunn talk about like road mapping and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, so that's how I find it on their website. As far as like discovering what the things are, man, I, and this is why I love like communities like Feast. I like them because like I've learned so much in Traffic Think Tank. Um, so many SEO communities in the past have been like, really bizarre and like weird black hatty kind of mm. sketchy stuff. And then like traffic think tank somehow they, it's totally different. I think it has to do with like the people who started it, but there's a lot of doers in there. It's pretty much a Slack group, but there's also like a kind of an educational component to it as well. Mm. They do a lot of teaching and they share and it's a lot of like 
hey guys, I found out this like one weird kind of press release when you embed a Google map and then link it to their directions. You don't even link it to their website. You just link it to their Google business listing. It just boosts map rankings. They'll rank number one in the local map. And it's like, people don't share that stuff in Facebook groups. And that was that example I just gave you is not made up. Like that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have local SEO clients, like (laughs) you can do that if you know how to do like, but those things like they just aren't discussed. But when all of a sudden you have a group um, that has a barrier to entry of like a high price point, but there's also enough people in there and it has enough momentum that like people are in there sharing real stuff and real tips like that changed a lot. So joining Traffic Think Tank uh, was a big difference maker for me and also just surrounding myself with people that are willing to share. Um, If anybody out there is like wondering, how do I get a mentor? or How do I like get influential people or not even influential, just like the doers? Because I don't like the, uh, I'm not like super pumped about like the SEO speaker circuit or the people talking at, you know, MozCon or any of these SEO conferences. They don't, I'm not that impressed because hmm. a lot of them talk a lot about it. They don't really do a lot of SEO. They've just been doing it for a long time and talking about it for a long time. Uh, but what I like about Traffic Think Tank and other communities is like it's doers. It's the people with like 150 Twitter followers that you've never heard of, but they're running like creditcards.com. Right, right. And you're like, okay, you know what you're doing. Like, that's insane. Um, you know, they work for like Red Ventures and stuff, which is a cool portfolio company. So, yeah, I, I think that's, I, honestly, it's just like following uh, or finding people. Um, and then to kind of finish my thought, like, how do I find people to learn from? It's look at what they say to do, go do it, and then just tell them. Just be mm-hmm. like, hey, I read this article. Here's what I did. Here's the results I got. I just want to share it with you because I really appreciate that you put that free information out there. Like, almost nobody takes action on free information. So if you want to get on anybody's radar or be or just have the privilege to continue asking them questions because you think they know what they're talking about, just do what they say to do. Show them the results, and they'll keep. They'll answer your questions forever. Yeah, you'll get a hundred thousand dollars in free consulting just because you're you're the only person that's willing to do what they say to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as somebody that puts out a lot of free content, a very small percentage of people actually come back and tell you what they what they've implemented. This idea of carving out services into products is the best way to get yourself out from under hourly billing and into a more predictable income. More importantly, it's predictable wins for your clients and past clients. This then creates that amazing referral process for your business. Pricing is a difficult part of business because it's connected in so many ways that developers and designers like yourself who are selling services wind up just then looking to an hourly rate of someone else and then adjusting it accordingly to how your skills compare to those other people. It may not come as a surprise to you though that it doesn't matter what you or I think about our prices. It's the clients. They matter. Their thoughts, how they put a value on what you do, it's their perspective on our price that matters. Inside Feast, there are lessons, resources, and worksheets, as well as myself, who can help you build your service for your clients and discover the low-hanging fruit, if you will, for your clients' businesses. Then, how to figure out exactly what that is worth to them so that you have the privilege of putting a price on it. 
By doing that, you are making it a complete no-brainer to the client to pay what you're asking for. The side effect here is, is that as you position your service to align with their business, you immediately stop being a commodity and stop being compared to everyone else out there. Feast is the community and resource hub for developers and designers ready to get off the project searching hamster wheel and actually run the business you set out to build. Feast helps position you in the market with what you do, who you help, and helps you build the processes and systems for client management, sales, marketing, and delivery. Your business isn't the same as everyone else. What you get when you're a Feast member is personalized guidance from myself. You don't get this from any other freelancing course out there. It is essential for me to meet you where you are and make sure that you are getting the exact tools you need so that you don't get lost in the shuffle. The moment you sign up to Feast, you'll get a link to chat with me so I can create a custom syllabus to meet you where you are. Think of me as your guidance counselor or your administrator when you went to college or university. With over 70 videos, lessons, resources, monthly community calls, and a Slack community, I can get you what you need right away. If you're serious about not competing on price and having clients respect you and your expertise, then I would love to see you on the inside of Feast. Head on over to feastcourse.com today. And if you use the code IMPACT at checkout, you'll receive the first month of Feast for just $20. So we talked a lot about pricing and how to find exactly what services and things of that nature. Now, you shared a, a couple of sentences with me where you said you sent back some cash just because it wasn't the right fit or you sent yeah. some red flags there. Could you share a little bit about what that story is? Yeah. So a buddy of mine was, he wanted me to kind of help him out. He was working as a consultant with a company. Um, this, uh, I can say like they're a cannabis startup. Um, so he was working with this cannabis startup and a really cool company from like really cool technology, really cool business model, uh, has taken on a bunch of like venture capital, like really interesting business. Mm -hmm. He was like, Hey, uh, we're building out local pages for all of their locations, but there's a lot of like technicalities around this. And we want to see what we can do to get it to rank with based on like a lot of very specific parameters. I said, all right, cool. He was like, well, can you give me like, can I pay for an hour of your time just to like really get you? Cause I'll give, I'll answer people's questions if they ask me, like, I love talking mm -hmm. about this stuff, but if you want me to like really focus, like I'll answer your question, like ad hoc as I'm watching a YouTube video or, uh, you know, as I'm like, whatever, I'm eating a sandwich for lunch or something, <laughs> but you know, like I'll answer people's questions, but you're, you're getting 80% of my attention versus like 120% of my, like that's the difference when you pay for somebody's time. Sure. I mean, that sounds like a, I don't take it. I think that's, I think I probably give more attention to my like free answers than a lot of other people do, <laughs> but like it's still your, when you pay somebody for their time, all of a sudden it's like, all right, now I'm really like, you're getting my best stuff and I'm going to spend, if we have an hour call and you paid me for an hour of consulting, I'm probably going to spend two or three hours to prep. And like, you're really getting like four or five hours of my time because I care. Uh, and this person was a friend. So, uh, I took my time, gave him some like really good thoughts and he's like, cool, I want you to come on board and help me like come into the project with me. And I was like, 
great, excited, it's really cool. Especially with where that industry is in the United States right now. You know, the legalization of cannabis is something that I'm like fascinated by. I think we're in a really interesting part of history. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we get involved, uh, start talking to his contact there. It's going great. We have a couple calls. All right, cool. Well, what are we going to do for a proposal? Great. I send over the proposal. They're like, uh, you're going to have to talk to the boss now. I said, all right, cool. So I talked to my contact supervisor. They were, it was probably the most rude and aggressive call I've ever been on. Like as soon as I got on the call, do you even know how this business operates? You clearly don't have any idea what it is we actually do. Is this just boilerplate? And it's like, I even said, I said, all right, look, so we're going to pause here because I feel like this is going down a really unhealthy road. Uh, Take a step back. I gave like the boss context of like, here's why we're talking about this. Here's the, you know, the conversation that happened. Like, I'm sorry if this context wasn't given to you. Just trying to be like professional, like overly professional. Got through the call. Immediately, my brain was like, that's not a good fit. Not worth it. And I was like, but it's a big proposal. This is a lot of money. Uh, I think the original proposal was for, it was something like $23,000. I mean, that's spread out over mm-hmm. a long time, but it's still a, a very significant amount of money. Yeah, yeah. Right? And like, I mean, to be honest, like when I was teaching, that was like half of my yearly salary. And I'm now sending that out in one proposal. So like, we're weighing, the, this is where that pricing comes in. So I see this huge red flag, but I've priced my services accordingly. And it's like, whew, that's a good proposal. Like, I hope this goes through. They come back and forth, back and forth. They reduce scope no less than three times. They want to, all right, we need less. We want less. We don't want to do this. Can you break this up? Can you justify these things? Can like trying to get me to separate the ingredients on the pizza so they could price out why the pizza's priced that way. And it's like, what if we did it with no oregano? How much is it then? (laughs) Like that type of, like, that's what it was getting into. So this is now red flag number two, but what does Brendan still see? Eye on the prize. He sees that money and he's like, all right, cool. And I put in the, they, then I sent over my agreement. I was like, hey, all right, cool. Here's my contract. They're like, no, we're using our contract. Oh, red flag number three. This is, a, it gets worse before it gets better. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> red flag number three. All right, they don't want to use my contract. So I go through their contract and I add something to the end where I just say, it's 100% upfront payment, 100%. No other way we're doing this. And I'm thinking to myself, a combination of A, there's no way they're going to do that. Uh, And B, if they do, then great. I get all the money up front and I don't have to like heckle with them because this is just a mess. And this has been going on for weeks at this point. So we finally, they sign the agreement. I get a little note in my inbox. It's like, hey, they signed it. And I was like, that's crazy. Okay, guess we're doing this. Great. Uh, We schedule a call to kick things off and they haven't paid me. I said, you know what? Let's reschedule two weeks later. Do you think you can get me paid beforehand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. No problem. Another week goes by. I'm, I'm emailing them like on the week and then by the day. And now we're, we're literally 24 hours before the, the, the reschedule, the second meeting. Still haven't paid me. Uh, won't reply to emails. And I'm like, I just emailed them the day before and said, look, like, I think we should reschedule again. I, I haven't gotten any communication with you. Uh, I have, you know, the contract says hundred percent upfront payment. I get the most horrendous email back from the like head supervisor, the one who just like went at my throat on the first call of how unprofessional I am and all this other stuff. And it's like, Hey man, I've, I've already waited a month to get paid. I've already put a bunch of work into this. I'm waited a month to get paid. 
they emailed me back and they're like, well, you know, some sort of nonsense. And then I, as I'm like replying, I see another email from them pop in and they're like, well, we're just not going to pay you at all. And then here, I'll show you. Well, I can't really show you, but, um, <laughs> we'll describe it. <laughs> do I have everything? Oh yeah, that's right. I can show you because <laughs> it's an audio podcast. <laughs> I get, I get not, they send me two of the same check. So they said like, all right, we're not sending you any money. We're not working together. And I was like, good, great. I should have, this is now the fifth red flag. I should have canceled a long time ago. Hopped on a call with my buddy Ken from Mastermind Jam. He was like, dude, you dodged a bullet. Just run. They let you free. They let you out of the agreement. Great. A day later, one of the checks shows up and I'm like, all right, there's my check. But uh, they first made it out to the wrong name. Not only did they make it out to the wrong name, uh, the, my invoice is literally beneath this. So they made it out, like my company's called Huff Media because of Brendan Hufford. They made it out to Herald Media, H-E-R-A-L-D. I don't know how you, they're literally one inch apart on the image. She wrote it wrong. So then, so I'm like, all right, I got to send that check back to him, right? And I, you know, whatever. A couple days later, or like a week later, I get another check for the same amount from a, from the same company, but from a totally different bank. Oh, and geez. I'm like, this is too much. This is too much. And my wife was like, yo, just cash it. Just totally cash. And I'm like, look, I don't look like that's there. First of all, cannabis is a weird, in a weird place in our country because they have all this money, but they can't be under any federally insured banks because right. it's illegal federally. Um, so you, they get, that's why I, that's why I got checks from two different banks and they're so disorganized and they can't move money quickly. That's not a personal thing, but that is again, another like, what are we on red flag number seven now of why working with cannabis startups can be difficult because their money is probably uh, under their mattress somewhere. Like it's, it's weird. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I took like these two checks and I was just like, I'm my fear is that their accountant is going to be like, Oh, we don't, we sent them two checks well, we should, we should 1099 him for that and like send him like file tax information. And it's like, nope, nope, I didn't. So I had to like certify mail, took a bunch of photo documentation. I'm not accepting these. I'm writing void on these. I'm sending them back to you. Certified mail, certifying you receive them back. You know, all of this communication with their team. And it was kind of abrasive of like, I don't want your money, but it's not, I just needed to document it because I don't want to have to pay taxes right. on that. But so anyways, I ended up sending all of that stuff back and it was like, we, I nailed pricing. I did everything right. But the problem when you nail pricing and you feel like you're getting paid what you're worth is all of a sudden it's harder to say no. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird situation to be in because we are not a, we're not a wealthy household. I'm not going to like come on here and cool guy anybody and make it seem like we're just raking it in. Like that's a tremendous amount of money to me. Uh, so to have to send all of that back was like, especially after they sent it to me twice. I was just like, ah, it was really hard. Wow. It was really hard. But I mean, how many, how many red flags was I going to need before I was just like, I should say no. Yeah. No. Wow. I mean, how, how, how is it with your, the relationship with your friend with all of that going on? Like, cause your friend brought you into that, brought you into that, all that. Right. Yeah. Well, my initial reply to the first email from them when they were like, you know, should we even work together? I'm like, you're under contract. There's nothing you can do about it now. Like, I don't know what, who you're trying to like, you know, play hardball with, but we're under contract. So you can break it if you want, but then you, it's like, you're going to pay me 50%. And yeah. And I, he, he just looked at me, he's like, 
hey man, how do we make this end well? And I was like, I just like had this moment of like, like just peace came over me. I'm not trying to be too woo woo, but I just felt like real peaceful. And I was like, you know what, dude, what do you need? What do you need? He's like, maybe just send him an email that says like these couple things, blah, blah. So I did. I just sent him an email, sent him the almost exact email he wanted me to. And like, just said like, Hey, it doesn't look like this is going to work out. I'm really sorry about that, blah, blah, blah. And just let him know like, Hey, just so we're all clear, we're officially done. Uh, What made it awkward is when I started getting checks in the mail. Right. Right. But yeah, it all, I think it worked out well for him. I told him about like that too. And was just like, Hey man, you know, I'm really sorry. And I just told him, I just over indexed with him on like, how do I make your relationship look better? I'm cool being the bad guy here. I want you to actually look better by, you know, like how do I make him look even better in Mm -hmm. this? Cause there was no way. And I didn't, I mean, even if I like tried to force them to work with me because of a contract, like nobody wants that. That's, no. that's like 90, all of a sudden, like you have like 90% of your headspace is taken up by that. And that's not a good look. Yeah. No. Wow. That definitely, <laughs> I agree. You dodged a bullet there because yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard sometimes, especially when you give a proposal of that nature, like, like you said, like, yes, that's a lot. And sometimes, and I'm, I fault of this too like those red flags like they're kind of yellow flags they're like they're not <laughs> they're like oh, we could go through those a little bit and try to figure out how we get out the other end but uh yeah i mean i've you know i've been in business for myself now for nine years almost a decade um and i learned over the years and i even did this i guess it was like eight months ago um, where I took on a bad client, but like, I've learned to trust my gut. Like if I see two red flags, I don't even go to the third strike. It's mm-hmm. like, if I feel there's two red flags in my gut, like I have to, no matter what it is, like I'm a diehard New York Mets fan. If the Mets showed up at my door, knocking on my door, that's red flag. Number one, right? Like I don't care. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I grew up in Binghamton in Syracuse. We had the Binghamton Mets when I was growing up. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Double A team. (laughs) Super cool. Sorry. Um, But yeah, yeah. I understand with the red flags. It's funny. Everybody says red flags, but then it's like, was it really at the time? No, it's like only in retrospect. Mm -hmm. I've learned some like good questions to ask people. That's been like really helpful for me. And like, figuring out what those red flags are and trying to get them like to come out sooner. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Sure. I think like the, the biggest thing for me that I've, I've asked people that has gotten this out is like, have you worked with anybody who does what I do before and how did that go? Right. All of a sudden, like that changes the whole discussion. All of a sudden I get like information from them that like maybe I didn't have. And like, it also gave me a lot more context around like, all right, cool. Here's what could possibly go wrong. Here's what like, you know, who else like asking, like, have you worked with anybody else that does SEO before? Who else has skin in the game uh, with this? Like, what do ideal scenarios look like? All of these kinds of questions are super helpful in like figuring it out. And I didn't used to ask those and I would just get like really rough clients. I'd get clients that were like, uh, Hey, I noticed you had one month deliver. I don't do like, I do monthly deliverables now in terms of like what I'm working on. But the guy was like, Hey, I know you said you could do this in one month. Could you do it in two weeks? And then two days later, he's like, how's it going? And I'm like, wait, wait, what? Like <laughs> I'm supposed to do a month worth of work in two days now. But like things like that happened quite a bit when, before I just learned how to do better discoveries and mm-hmm. better, um, you know, really just like even before the audit, I now have a thing set up that helps to, uh, just like a type form. 
that the first like that they fill out to even work together. And the first five or six things are just like qualifying statements. Here's how I work. Is that okay? Yes. All right. Here's something. I don't haggle on prices. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. I'm going to make you tell me okay again. I don't haggle on prices. Are you sure? Like I don't give 20% discounts just because. Hmm. Like are you sure you're okay with that? And, and nobody's asked me for a discount since then. Hmm. And like that's been super helpful as well. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd learned to ask that same similar question. Have you worked with other contract developers before? Mhm. And sometimes I get a no. Sometimes I get yeah, I've worked with eight of them. Like, oh, yeah. okay, eight of them. <laughs> Let's right. uh that's going to be put me on guard a little bit. But yeah, I mean, those qualifying questions are super helpful in trying to vet a client that's a good fit for you. Right? No price is too much to risk your mindset, your headspace, stress levels. I mean, it's just too much, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, but like imagine if you're in one of those things and it's like one of those conversations and somebody's like, yeah, we worked with our last developer we worked with. Um, they did good work, but like our CTO said that all of it, their work was trash and they could do it way better. And then then you ask the question, why doesn't the CTO build this? Exactly. Well, they're too busy, blah, blah, blah. All right, cool. Now I see that I'm not going to be reporting to you. I'm actually going to be reporting to your CTO. And now I see that they already feel like they can do better than anybody. Like all of a sudden now you have all of this insight uh, that you wouldn't otherwise. And like, I, I, I've even been jokingly told by people like, add the jerk tax. Like if they seem like they're total jerks, but you need money, like I'm not trying to be high. Like I said, I'm not trying to cool a guy, anybody and be like, you should turn down anybody who has red flags. It's like, look, man, if you got to put food on the table for your kids and your family, take all the jerk clients. There's tons of them out there. You can just, just do it, do what you got to do and you'll be better for it. But, um, just make sure that when you get to the point that you don't have to do and you can start saying no, that you, you have that. Cause that was my problem that when I got to the point where I could say no, I didn't have that muscle built up mm -hmm. and I, I'm really bad at saying no to good work or to like dangerous work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're all at fault for that. I mean, I, you know, I could go through the laundry list of bad clients that I've had and yeah, it's tough sometimes because sometimes you do like you have those ebbs and flows in business and like, okay, well, you know, especially when you're starting out too, like, it's like, I've just finished a project. Now I need to ramp up another project and it's like, okay, yeah, this might not be the best project for me or best client to work with or any of that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, thank you, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously, you know, especially when a friend loops you in and it's a referral like that, like, yeah, I mean, you had the wherewithal to say to your friend, like, hey, look, I'll take on the bad guy aspect of this. I mean, that shows the type of person that you are and how you think about things at a professional level, too, because you don't want it to end bad for your friend either, like because your friend brought you in. And so kudos to you yeah. on, on that for sure. Well, I think that's where something like, you know, a community like Feast is really helpful, where if, as soon as you get that feeling of like this feels weird or bad, but I'm not sure uh, you can just hop into a community and be like, Hey, what do you all think of this? And people will be like, well, here's some other smart questions to ask or like, oh, you might want to vet this or talk to that person. Or they might, the community might just be like, yo, run, run. I've been there. I heard those same words and here's how it ended. And that's so valuable, especially if you're a freelancer, because it's very like, you don't have an office full of people to like consult with. Right. So having some sort of community uh, is so, so valuable to just vet all of that. And also then to ask like, especially like this, like pricing questions. 
and real price, like stuff you're never going to post in a public Facebook group. Like I charge this much. What do you think? And all you get all these unqualified, ridiculous opinions about that. And you know, like all of a sudden you have like a better guideline and I, I would definitely highly encourage people to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So before I let you go, uh, what, what's up next for the next six, 12 months? I look, man, we got a lot going on. Cause that's my MO. <laughs> Obviously I'm going to keep it. Sorry. I mean, it is, I just do too many things again like this. You see this problem. I feel like this is like making you be my therapist right now. Um, <laughs> Like I have a problem saying no to things, right? Like I've been so rewarded my whole life by saying yes to every opportunity that now I'm kind of getting to this cool point where I should probably say no to things to pursue other stuff. Um, I'm just bad at it. So I say yes to everything. I'm still doing uh, like freelance and consulting work. I'm, I'm taking on like really cool projects uh, in my day job, just really trying to blow up and do different things. Um, we're redesigning our website and we have this whole new growth strategy that I had like a really strong hand in developing, which is makes me so happy. I've been there two years and we've been doing good work, but uh, a lot of SEO work of like trying to put square pegs and round holes. And now everything is built around growth and leads. And I love that stuff. So not just like page views. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a guy named John Henry Shirk, uh, who's super smart. He's an SEO guy, uh, like B2B marketer. And he has this line about talking about like, I build a pipeline and not page views. Hmm. And like, I love that. Like I want to build a revenue pipeline, not just page views. So doing that stuff there. And then obviously just can do, fin I, I got a lot more videos still to make. If people want to check out my YouTube channel or the podcast, if you uh, look up hundred days of SEO uh, in whatever podcast app you listen to, you can catch it there. Uh, the videos are way more entertaining, but uh, doing that. And then uh, in a couple months, we're going to be relaunching SEO for the rest of us. The, uh, the course or workshop and community we had about 80 founding members in there right now, which is amazing. You know, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Waving uh, just for, <laughs> for people listening. Um, right. Like hop in there, like hop on the email list and check out. There's a really cool thing at hundred days of SEO. We already talked about it's called the one ranking away challenge. Just it's all of my best stuff. It's not going to be up forever, but it's just all of my best stuff and all of my ability as a teacher to within 30 days, teach you everything I know about SEO and have you come out with a product with an article or a homepage that'll actually rank in search. Um, that's what I want for people, not just more learning, but actually doing and implementing. So yeah, in the next six months, it's going to be a lot more of that. And it's just going to be continuing to put out a lot of content that I'm mostly proud of and then eventually relaunching the course and seeing kind of where that goes. Awesome. Yeah, you definitely have a lot on your plate. I thought I had a lot on my plate too. And people always ask me, how do you do two podcasts, services work, two kids, like work from home? Like how did, where's all this time? <laughs> but I think I finally met my match for sure. But, uh, oh man, there's no, there's no, uh, like it's not gonna, I don't want my tombstone to be like, he hustled the hardest. Yeah, like that's not, yeah. that's not what I want. Um, I just have, I, I feel so strongly about being a steward of what I've been given. And I've been given all of these advantages. I was born into a family with uh, a reasonable amount of money, uh, not co in complete poverty, even though it was just like a single mom that raised me. But like, I've had advantages like I in, in reality, like I am a straight white Christian college educated dude living in America in 2019. Like I'm playing this game on the easiest mode possible. And I'm very aware of that. And like, I just feel like I need to be, I've been given all these advantages and all these opportunities by everybody who came before me. And it's like, I need to do something with that. And I need to go hard and I need to do the most that I can right now. 
I just, it's probably just a very weird, like fear-based thing about not wanting to go back to being a teacher. There's nothing wrong with being a teacher, but I did it for 10 years and I'd prefer not to do that anymore. So yeah, I just try and do as much as I can every single day. That's awesome. Yeah. Well said for sure. Where can people reach out and say thanks? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm doing some really interesting stuff. I'm very excited about Instagram now. Uh, I sound like an old, I'm very excited about Instagram. Cool, Brendan. People have been excited about Instagram for like how many years? Um, I'm just doing something different on there. Uh, stuff around like the books that I read uh, in the city that I live in. So a lot more Chicago stuff and some cool like art. You should check it out. It's the Brendan Hufford on Instagram. Uh, and then I honestly, I would say the place I would love to engage with people the most is really in the YouTube comment section. If you type in Brendan Hufford or 100 days of SEO into YouTube and you check out that playlist, uh, I would love for you to check out a video and then leave me a comment, uh, especially the latest ones where I'm actually helping people with their websites. Uh, if you want help with whatever, if there's, you want help with site architecture, I got a video I just put out about that um, and a bunch of other ones. So drop in there, leave your site in there. Uh, I'd love to give you some feedback and be helpful. Awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely check out. I'm, I'm poor at Instagram as well. Uh, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's because we're 35 and above and that, that's just what happens. <laughs> but yeah, man, I love it. I love storytelling. I just found yes. it really cool. I've, I've forever wanted to just post pictures. I, if you go on my Instagram, you'll see, and you scroll down through the feed, you'll see a lot of it for a long time was really just words. It was me mm. writing and then uploading the images as like words. And I thought it was, I don't know. It's interesting. I like using, I like words. I'm an SEO guy, uh, and a writer. So I was obsessed with that, but now I found some cool apps to do cool stuff with photos of like sections of books. Hmm. Um, so I don't know at the very least, you'll, you, at the very least you'll do that little internet laugh where you breathe out your nose and that's all <laughs> I can Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time and your wisdom today. I really appreciate it. I know the listeners got a ton out of it because I know I got a ton out of it. So uh, thanks again, Brendan, for sharing today. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. And for everyone listening, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. Such an amazing, amazing first episode of the season. Thank you, Brendan, for coming on and sharing your expertise with us. Next week, we'll be back with Tom Morcus, who wrote the book on pay what you want pricing. And we'll unpack how you can use it for your clients. And I'll ask him what his results were. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast.